gym. Thank you, thank you, thank you. It's always dangerous when somebody takes their watch off when they're starting to speak. Uh, I promise not to be like that, but um, we had one of the most amazing conferences this weekend. It was a training, uh, and if you missed it, there's one chance to see it again. Go to uh, ustream.com, and uh, our ministry is listed there, House of Healing Ministries, and go to um, Redemptive Gift Seminar. There's eight hours of video on there that you will kick yourself if you don't get to see. It was really that good. Um, if you have any questions about who God made you to be, this is information you have to have. Uh, there's a segment in there about how to raise your kids in accordance with how they were created. Um, we have a uh, unabashed commercial section of this message today. Um, I didn't bring any of these books to sell, but you can harass Pat at the second service. She'll be here in a little bit and get one. This one is... Um, thing I wrote a couple of years ago on dealing with trauma. Everybody experiences trauma of some nature in your life. God has given us a methodology to deal with it easily. And it's in this book. Um, I prayed a prayer and the audio version of that prayer is uh, on our website. I think this was in Moultrie, Georgia about four years ago. Uh, about 150,000 people have downloaded that prayer. About 8,000 people um, pray it or at least listen to it every night and go to sleep to it. Um, it has been responsible for some unbelievable healings that were the result of trauma. Um, if you've had trauma in your life, you need to get a hold of this. Um, if you're clueless as far as um, what your ministry is, why God made you, and what the purpose of it all is, uh, you need to get this book. Um, this one I specifically wrote for couples. Couples seem to have a real difficult time finding out what their calling is as a couple. Do you think God would hook you up with somebody who was totally against who you were created to be and what you were created to do? No, but sometimes we feel that way. And this book will help you sort it all out. Oddly enough, I wrote it for couples, but 80% of the people who buy this are single. Um, this one is on defeating Jezebel. Um, this is not about um, bossy, aggressive, obnoxious women. So rest your souls about that. But this is a perspective from which you've never heard it before. But if you have uh, issues with um, isolation in your life, uh, monetary problems, stuff keeps falling apart, um, communication issues, you need to get a hold of this book. Um, this is kind of our personal story of uh, 
coming from the pits to getting out of um, the mess that we were in, and it was serious. Um, at one point in time in our lives, us and our two boys were working at Chick-fil-A, and yes, I wore the uniform. And I was so handsome, too. Um, this one is my latest book. Well, almost. Um, I have one I didn't bring. But um, this one is on perfectionism. Um, perfectionism, I started this book in 1994, and I think I finally got it right. Uh, there's a backstory on that. Um, but perfectionism and performance is the system of the world. Do you realize that how you balance your checkbook is inherently evil? People go, what? It's true. Why? Because it was taught to you by the system of this world. Yes, it is effective in this system, but what does your checkbook speak to you about? lack. That is not an issue in the kingdom of God. And so as a consequence, if perfectionism has been a problem for you, uh, help for it is in this book. And they're all available for a nominal fee. Uh, this morning I have a question for you. Um, what do you need God to do for you this month or this quarter or the balance of this year that only he can do? Think about it. What are you facing that he's the only answer to it? Where is it in your life that you've come to that place where you don't have the resources Emotionally, mentally, physically, whatever else, to get your needs met. What do you have to have? Most of us can think about three things. And probably one of them is money. Hit the next one. Y'all have heard this verse, you've seen it. It actually um, is directed towards salvation, um, but it's equally applicable to uh, any of those things that went through your mind that you need God to do for you, that only he can do. Because there is indeed so much with us individually we can't do. So we have to have God do something for us. And all things are possible with him. Let me have the next slide. This has been um, my favorite verse over the last 35 years or so. For the eyes of the Lord run to and fro throughout the whole earth, seeking to show off in behalf of someone whose heart is perfect toward him. Now, this is King James. 
And I think anybody who reads King James Bible um, <clears throat> has questions about certain words that are in that in that Bible. So I've uh, taken the effort to break a couple of them down for you. Next slide. If one of those things that you were worried about God showing up for has to do with money, you need to memorize Matthew chapter 6. Because he's got all that stuff covered. Okay? You don't have to worry about it. But how do you get perfect toward him so that you can have God show up in your behalf? Now, this um, next slide is... um, Okay. Um, Here's another good question for you. If my heart has to be perfect toward the Lord for him to act strongly in my behalf, then apparently there must be some kind of qualifications involved. And what are they? Well, that's the Strong's numbering system to help us figure out what those Hebrew words were actually meant to say. Go ahead and hit it. That's it. That's the Hebrew meaning of perfect. Complete. Altogether. Whole. Now this is interesting because this word um, the Hebrew language is, is um, pictorial in nature. It's not as precise as uh, English is. So a single word like perfect may be used about ten different ways and still convey what it's meant to convey. So if you look at this, the primitive root of perfect in this particular case is to be safe. Jesus said, in this world you will have tribulation, but fear not, for I have overcome the world. My issue has always been when stuff hit the fan, I always went to the fear, and I never got to the one who overcame the world. And I was stuck in that place of fear. But what he's saying is there is a place that we can enter into in which we feel safe. That place is one a place of lack of fear. Was it say perfect love casts out all fear? Well, I don't know about you, but um, perfect love has been one of those things that we've probably all been searching for our entire lives. But that word is the same word that's used here. Be safe. Figuratively to be, be safe, or causatively to make safe or make completed. Now it seems that in that process there is a process there. And that's kind of one of the things I want to talk to you about today. Go ahead and hit the next one. 
you are complete in Jesus Christ. So if we go back to that that verse that says, the Lord is searching the whole earth to find somebody who is complete to show off in his behalf. Do you qualify? Do you qualify? The answer would be yes. So one of the reasons that that verse has been one of my favorite verses is if the Lord is searching throughout the whole earth to show off in behalf of somebody, why not me? I'm as good a candidate as anybody else. Why not me? Next one. But then you run into a couple of other verses that tend to complicate this subject. The disciple is not above his master, but everyone that is perfect shall be as his master. Look at that verse again with the idea that you are complete in him. So that everyone that is complete shall be as his master. You are complete in him. We just saw that. So it says, shall be as his master. In other words, that good work that the Lord started in you, he will complete. Right? But let patience have her perfect work, that you may be perfect and entire, wanting nothing. Patience implies there's something else going on here, that there is a process, that there's something perhaps we need to endure. I want to stop here and tell you a story. Um, We moved here August two years ago, uh, fat, dumb, and happy. Um, We're still two of those. I won't tell you which ones. Um, But in um, April of last year, um, I started having some severe health issues. Um, Finally got, at the end of April, um, was diagnosed with colon cancer. And as a consequence, I have a semicolon today. Uh, That was bad, yes, yes. (laughs) Um, but following that (laughs) following that that process um, the surgery should have only taken about two and a half hours and instead it took five and a half and as Ray who came to the hospital and looked at me thought oh my god this guy ought to be dead um but um, what happens in, that, in the context of that surgery is they put you on an articulating table so that they can get your innards to flow to wherever they've poked a hole in you to manipulate whatever they need to, to manipulate. And apparently my neck was not supported appropriately for five and a half hours of 
the ride. And uh, so when surgery was over and I came out and I'm trying to trying to come to, um, anything that I did backhanded with either hand resulted in a searing pain that was like it was like having somebody driving a red-hot ice pick up between your knuckles. And the pain would run up to my shoulder. And it was so severe that it would just literally freeze you, take your breath away. There wasn't anything you could do. Um, but fortunately, it would only last about four seconds, and then it would rapidly subside. But, you know, you just, you're unconscious of things that you do like that. And so you're reaching for a glass of water, and and um, it was tough. And um, so what I had to do um, was I had to go for a PET scan. They were going to do um, chemo, and uh, it was in the summertime. And I made the mis mistake of wearing a T-shirt and shorts to the University Hospital in Louisville. Yes, it was summer, but they keep all that equipment in the freezer section of the basement of the hospital. And uh, so after you drink all this gook and they poke a bunch of holes in you, sitting around freezing, they stick you in this machine looks like a giant tube. But the track that they put you on to run you in and out of it is only about this wide. And as you can see, there are parts of me that are uh, more mature than that. And so there's nothing to support your shoulders or your, your elbows or your arms. And so what they do is they put a strap that's about three inches wide and bind your wrists to your legs. And so they said, well, you know, just relax. Uh, be about 20 minutes to run you into it, in it and out of it about three times. Well, we're about um, 15 minutes into this thing, and I'm freezing. But what also has happened is this young lady has gotten pretty aggressive in binding my hands to my legs, and she's cut off the circulation to my hands. And so now, instead of just a shooting pain that will last four seconds and go away, because they didn't support my neck any better this time than they did in the surgery, I am having throbbing pains. Every time your heart beats, this thing is going further and further up my arm. And I'm thinking, oh. You know, I don't want to move to see if I can get more comfortable because I know that I'm going to have to go through this thing all over again. And that's when I noticed him. Um, Jesus was on the far end of the wall. I could see him over that because right after surgery, I lost about 20 pounds. He's standing up against the wall like the Marlboro Man. And he's got this goofy grin on his face. Like, I know what's going on here. 
Um, and I'm just wondering, okay, what are you going to do? Because the pain is still going. And he walks over to the to the front of this thing and he leans on it and he looks up in there at me and then he sees all these sensors buzzing around. And he says, well, I wouldn't have done it quite like that. <laughs> that humor totally obliterated any of my anxiety, any of my angst. The pain evaporated. That happened, or something similar, about four more times during the course of that that summer. So immediately after having had that PET scan to kind of get the baseline for for where I was, I went to see Dr. Ray because we needed to do something about this vertebrae because things were just this is not you know I couldn't hit pad or anything you know it was just like. <laughs> Um, well I am deathly afraid of getting my neck cracked you didn't know this I had had I went to a chiropractor about nine years ago and he said let me let me crack your neck okay whatever you gotta do let's get this well he did whatever the heck it was he did and I was in pain for three weeks walking around like this, you know, and I'm thinking, I will never visit another chiropractor as long as I live. So here we are with this thing, and I'm th- I, I got to do something. And what they tell you is if you don't do something about it, within 30 to 45 days, it's permanent. So that gave me a little incentive. So I went in to see Dr. Ray, and he says, lay down here. I'll get an x-ray. And while he's developing the x-ray, Jesus shows up in the room. And it was the funniest thing I think I've ever seen in my life. Because he was like a little kid who was excited at Christmas and so excited they couldn't express himself. And he was jumping up and down because Ray and because I had come to see Ray and I was with Ray. Didn't know that, did you? Immediately all of that anxiety about having been inflicted with pain by a chiropractor nine years ago went away. Now, why do I tell you all this? The word says, seek the Lord while he may be found, for in the day of trouble, it's difficult. And what I'm saying by that is this. Jesus said, I have never left you nor forsaken you. Ever. So he's been with you every day of your life. 
He's with you right now. But for most of us, we have no sense that he's here. We have nothing that tells us he's right by my side. Now, Jesus was talking to his disciples one day, and he said, Guys, i got to check out of here. But I will not leave you comfortless. I will send you another comforter. And I got to thinking about that verse and thinking, what was it that would translate to comfort for all of the disciples as they hung out with Jesus? Well, one of those things is the tribulation that they experience. Do you remember the first missionary journey they took? They're on a boat, darn near drowned in the middle of the night. Jesus saves them. They pull up to the shore, the Gadarenes, and this man with a bazillion demons comes charging out of the, the bush, wanting to kill him. This happens over and over again. So what message did they have? No matter how bad things get, no matter what they look like, no matter what the odds are, somehow, some way, Jesus is going to pull a rabbit out of the hat at the 11th hour and everything will be okay. See, I've redefined my personal faith as a result of what I experienced last year. Faith, for me, used to be one of those cases where I had to work it up. I had to hang on to it. I had to protect it. But faith isn't that anymore with me. Faith is the confidence in him that I have as a result of the experiences that I had with him. So I know beyond a shadow of a doubt that when I need him, he'll be there. And not only do I know that he'll be there, but I will get to witness him in action in the midst of it. So I take you back to that same verse. The eyes of the Lord are roaming throughout the whole earth continuously, seeking somebody in whose behalf he can show himself strong. See, there's some of you in this room today who are facing extremely difficult circumstances. You run out of gas. Nothing left in the tank. I've tried everything. I've done everything. I've been to everybody I know. And the train is still coming. I'm here to tell you this morning two things. Your God is faithful, and he will be no less faithful to you than he was to me. 
but I'm also here to tell you, you're going to have to start practicing looking for him. You don't have a choice. Jesus said, in this world, you will have tribulation. He didn't say it's a guess. He didn't say some of you will. He said it's going to be uniformly distributed across the vast population of the earth. Everybody gets their share. And maybe you think more than your share. But it's coming. And if you haven't seen it already, what's coming is pretty interesting. So the only way that you're going to get through it is with him. And I'm telling you, when he shows up, everything changes. Everything changes. Your view of who he is, your view of his faithfulness, your ability to believe will never be the same. I'm a changed man. And you think, well, would you go through it again? I wouldn't want to. No, that's stupid. But the reality of it is, is I can look back on that experience and say, yeah, because I know he'd be with me in the midst of it. Folks, your God is looking for you just to say, hey, count me in. I'm up for that. I'm up for that. I want you to come show off in my behalf. I need you to show up in my behalf. You see, this process that we're all in, that's where he wants to bring us to. Because he said, that which I started, I will complete. How do you get there? Going through the crap. Not staying in it, going through it with We have a ministry team here this morning. And if you would take your place. For those of you who need some encouragement that God will come and show off in your behalf. If you need a reminder that you are complete in him that you qualify for him to show up strongly in your behalf. These folks can handle the job. Would you stand with me?